Hello, and welcome back to Tales from the Crew, brought to you by Level 10 TV. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Crew. And this week we have my very good friend, Jeff Williams, production executive at Viacom CBS, working at BET Unscripted. And we're going to kind of bring the studio guy in and hear a little bit about his point of view from, you know, being part of the production and a lot of things that we talk about in terms of collaboration and, you know, what, what goes into... Um, his role when not only launching a project, but overseeing the project and, and seeing it through completion and, you know, some of the ways that he works with different uh, crew members or different executives or internally and, um, and some of the challenges that you face. So without further ado, Jeff Williams. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I love the big fanfare and uh, hopefully there'll be a, a, an applause track put in there. <laughs> um, well, yeah, first let me thank you for having me, Mike. It's, uh, you know, been a, a, a lifelong aspiration of mine to be on your podcast, Tales from the Crew. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I finally arrived. Welcome. Um, yeah, like, it's a <laughs> limited audience. <laughs> I mean, a lot of limited audience, but limited exclusive engagement. <laughs> well, if we get all my Twitter followers to, 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 to tune into this episode, then you'll have like five more. Amazing. So. Uh, all right so my name is jeff williams i'm production executive of viacom cbs i work specifically for the channel bet and i oversee our unscripted development series and bet plus so all the unscripted for all those kind of filters through me and then you know up and out of the chain however that may be depending on the prod uh the project so i really have had the ability to learn and see what happens on the network side. I, my background is, you know, 20 years of freelance line production, production management, EIC in the freelance world, almost all in unscripted. So I've been doing unscripted since the beginning of time, it feels like. And to, I've been at the network for about three years, a little over three years. And it, a lot was revealed to me when I, when I took a network job at how different the worlds are from the freelance or the production company level information versus a network. I mean, I can't tell you, Mike, how many times I have been booked on a job only to have the show go away without any explanation of how or why the show went away. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now I know. I <laughs> <laughs> have to come up with an excuse to the filmmakers. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, and 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 sometimes it's just because someone got a whim at the network and just said, you know, this doesn't fit our programming model at the time, so we're just not going to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, it could just, you know, it's stuff that you would never know as a freelance individual why your job that you, you know, may have left another job or you've been waiting because you're, you know your unemployment's about to run out, like what happened to my show that, you know, and, and there's never any explanation, you know, when you're a freelance uh, employee like that 
I think one of the interesting dynamics is like an independent or, a, you know, like a, a freelance uh, line producer or producer, like that show is everything to them. But for an executive, it's just a sl- it's one of the many things you probably have, one of the several shows that you're working on that day. It, it, off the top of my head, I have four shows in production. Uh, I have a slate of 28 development projects in different phases of, you know, what we're going to do. Is it the casting step? Is it just going to be a paper development? You know, uh, it, it, and depending on the production companies, you know, it just depends on the level of comfort that the network has with these companies that kind of dictate how invested we're going to be before we really know that it's going to be a viable show on our network. In terms of how comfortable you are with the filmmakers or the, the film, everything from the, 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 the ability to deliver what's on that paper draft or what we've seen in a sizzle reel, how they can really make that thing come to life and deliver that series. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think that's the ultimate challenge in the initial relationship is just proving that from the filmmakers. And then, and then I'm sure you going to bat for those filmmakers or working with them because it's your job to make a successful show. It is. And, but I only do the production part of it. So I do not get involved in the creative decisions at all. We have, you know, I have counterparts that do that. Is that, is that a relief for you now being on the, that side of it that you aren't wearing like several hats that you're, you have a specific role or is that you feel sometimes limited towards that or? I, I don't feel limited. Uh, I, because we're at a network and, and, at BET, we hire third-party production companies to do 95% of the projects that fall in the unscripted. So we're not doing internal productions. We are hiring these third parties to they come in with these ideas or we'll have an idea that will uh, match to a third party and assist them in executing that. So my job is a service. I'm all about service. How can I help? the third party uh, succeed in the endeavor that we've tasked them to do. Got it. Exactly. So you're, it's more of a, it's more of a handoff and then servicing along the way. It is. And, and it's, you know, it's, you know, checking their cost reports and the trial balances and all the things to make sure that as they're going, they're spending the resources in a way that makes sense for the show. Got you it. know, approving overages and things of that nature, breakage or, you know, those things and so our creative execs as we are shooting these shows sometimes they see things that would make the show better well those usually come with additional expenses so at that point i will work with the show you know either eic line producer or vp of production whatever the case may be to get the creative at the production company level on board with the network creative ask and figure out how we can implement that in a, you know, cost effective and a professional way. Yeah. Like in a, within the production system. The yes. Workflow. Yeah. But as a production executive at a network, I am the conduit for just like my counterpart, a creative executive, that person and myself really drive the ship. Once we hit the, the, the green, the green light go button, like, we are in constant communication amongst each other at the network, making sure that the creative needs are being met. And if they're not, you know, usually uh, they'll come to me and say, Jeff, hey, can you help me out? How can we get this thing back on track? And I like, you know, we'll brainstorm how we can do that. And then I will propose the financial 
solution to my counterpart at the third party. And, you know, and it's, it's very successful, but in doing my job, I'm also the conduit for legal. I'm also the conduit for finance. I'm also the conduit for, you know, creative services, the conduit for, I touch every single department at the network. Oh, got it. Got it. So you're sort of the point of contact for the production, but also the conduit within the network. Exactly. And so my, my counterpart, the creative executive is also a conduit. So that person also touches every single department from the creative aspect. You know, they're making sure that the cuts that are given to social and digital departments are the right things, how we want to promote the shows you know, it's, it's a juggernaut of responsibility. It took me probably two years before I really understood the real workflow at the network because there's so many bodies that are tasked with such specific tasks that you know me being my background being a, a freelance line producer i didn't grow up in a network but you know i'm a doer i if i see a trash can this full i'll just grab the trash and empty the trash put another bag in not even ask a pa hey go do this if i'm standing there not doing it i'll do it myself because there's no job that's too small but that's just the way i've always presented myself on set and I found that if I will empty a trash can or clean a bathroom, even as a EIC, clean a, clean a porta potty and make sure that the PAs see me doing this so that they realize that this job is not beneath me doing it. So when I'm asking you to do it, it's not from a place where I'm too good. It's a place where I'm busy doing my job. You do your job. And you know I'm not asking you to do it because I think less of you for doing so. I'm asking you because this is your task. But when I'm done doing it, you should go look at it because that's how I want it to be done in the future. I'm former military. And the, uh, the one thing that the military taught me is that no job is above anybody. Like you're, I'm not going to clean the bathrooms every single day. But mm -hmm. I can do them from time to time. That would be and so like, funny if the PA was like, well, I saw you doing it. So I just... I thought it was a job. Yeah, I, I make sure that that is not the message. <laughs> but I'll never forget, I had a production manager on the show one time, and he started barking orders at these PAs. He's like, hey, I move that table over there, move that table over there. And I knew he wasn't doing anything. I'm like, hey, why don't you grab the other end of that table, and we'll move it. Yeah. And we did. And then I, then I had to pull him to the side, and I'm like, hey, man, uh, you, can't, you can't respond to our employees in that fashion. No one is going to respect you if that's, the, if that's the messaging you're putting out there. What you will do is you will assist them in the task. That way they will know that it is not above you and that the next time you ask them, it's not because you feel that they're belittled and you can shout orders at them. It's that they realize that you're probably in the middle of doing something else. You walked by a table that needed to be striked or done something yeah. with. And the next time you say, hey, can you guys move that table? They're going to be like, that's my guy. Because if, if he had time to do it, he would have you know, helped us out. Yeah. And I'll tell you, about, about three or four years after that show ended, that guy called me up. And he's like, Jeff, I just want you to know that that lesson, I've never forgot it. And to this day, it rings true. Like, I am able to rally my support group around me in a way that I, I, I would have it would have escaped me possibly for my entire career had you have not pointed out that, you know, that I was wrong. And, you know, so I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it, um, it's like the biggest lesson because it's like sometimes PAs 
don't really know 100% of like what they're assigned to do. And instead of yelling at them, you show them. And what you're ultimately doing as a, a producer or a line producer is um, formulating the, 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 the functions of the, of the set. And exactly. And, th and that is going to be a benefit two or three days down the line when it's all running really smoothly. But if you're just barking orders, then when people are just reacting, they're not really learning the system or how you would like to run the set. They're not. And they're at that point, they're on eggshells like, oh, my gosh, here, here he comes again. What, what am I doing wrong now? Instead yeah. of like em empowering them to know what the right actions are and showing them how to do it. And then hopefully they'll learn that when they become a, a coordinator or a, or a production manager or a line producer, how to also treat people in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, 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 that's, that's a huge lesson because I feel like that's an issue or that that's the, something that happens when you're, someone's yelled at, they think that's how it is and it doesn't mm -hmm. be that way. Yeah. You know, it's the little lessons along the way that make the greatest impact. But it seems like you've kind of learned to navigate the studio side and um, to your benefit, uh, understand the tools that you have available and really after years of being part of it, really harnessing that and uh, being able to really strengthen production through, through that experience. Well, I'll tell you, when I first got to BET, I was given a single show, you know, just because they're like, Hey, we don't want to bring you in too quick. We don't overwhelm you. Like, that makes sense. But I, but I come from a background of, you know, running production companies where I might have, 13 shows in production at a production company. So one show, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, how am I going to sit here all day? This is, you know, and, and it's not even me doing the line producing. It's me waiting around for once a week cost reports just to see how these guys are functioning. So when I got brought in, I, 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 I was doing the show and then I got, another two shows be given to me. So I started calling up these, you know, VPs of production, introducing myself, letting them know that, Hey, that I'm here. I have a lot of experience in producing the show that I'm now tasking you to do. If you need any assistance from me, I'm here to help you. And the response was the same. They're like, where did you come from? Like, this is not how network executives tend to <laughs> respond to us. Usually they just say no and hang up the phone. Like, I'm like, you're not going <laughs> to, I'm like, you know, there may come a time when I say no, I won't hang up the phone, but we'll talk about it and, and yeah. see how we can make it right. Yeah. And they're like, this is a way different experience from what we've experienced in the past. And I will tell you not to toot my own horn, but like, Every year, there's a uh, a ranking of which network is the most difficult to work with versus which one is the easiest to work with, and we've been notoriously at the bottom of that list. And last year, we were like eighth or ninth on the list from the top. Is that is that good? I don't know. That's great. Like people want to pitch to BET now, and they want to do our shows because the communication is vastly improved mm -hmm. we are fair in our approach with the third parties mm -hmm. and we're about quality content you know BET is about black excellence and that's what we want to put on our network mm -hmm. and that and that really works well with uh with going into BET plus because as you're expanding into more shows it's like 
you now have this culture that is well communicated into doing, you know, bigger and better. It's true. And it gives us a, a chance to do a little bit more, uh, a little more programming that might be a little more ratchety, if you will, you know, like, uh, not, I won't say as ratchet as VH1, but it gives us more leeway to have a little bit more fun. And, and so, you know, obviously with uh, the, the pandemic, it, it seems like that has got to be a huge challenge for you to, to keep, to keep continuing on. It's, um, is it something where it's like a day by day thing for you? Or is it, uh, have you guys since kind of gotten to a point where you're um, smooth sailing again with your shows? Uh, I wouldn't say smooth sailing. And it would, it's definitely challenging. COVID-19 has put a real damper into every phase of production. Yeah. As far as I can tell across all of our brands, which is quite extensive. Yeah. And, uh, and every production company, every network, we're all feeling the blow of, you know, this pandemic. And, and it's real. So Viacom has taken a stance that we are going to be ultra conservative in everything we do for the betterment of mankind, as opposed to the benefit of the bottom line shareholder dollars. So, which is commendable. Like, yes. I, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to know that I work in a place that actually 100% values people in these times over profit. I don't know that that's always the case, but right now it's very clear that people come first. And it's kind of similar to like the idea with you on set where it's like you put people first before, before dollars. And that's where a, not a comfort, but a sense of trust is built upon that. And hopefully new ideas are generated out of that. Well, Hopefully so. The, the issue, though, Mike, as you're well aware, is that when you go into production on a show, there's usually quite a bit of prep and just and negotiations and all these things that go into the front end of that. You know, you person comes in with a pitch. Well, no one came in before, you know, April and pitched anything that could be shot in a what, what I'll call a COVID environment. Yeah. Everything we've had on our slate is, you know, house reality, uh, you know, documentaries, you know, everything where you're out amongst the people, shooting shows, no masks, you know, and just bouncing from location to location, doing your thing. Yeah. Well, those days are very difficult to pull off. Yeah. Almost impossible. Um, so I had a show that was uh, three episodes shot in Atlanta when we got the call that we needed to shut it down. We had a 300 person audience you know, two full stages on the Tyler Perry lot. Uh, and we literally walked away from it all. We all flew home. That's it. And it's only this week that we were able to start striking that stage. Now, we turned around and shot the rest of this competition show from the homes of the contestants all across, well, I'll say all across the globe, but there was, we had an international contestant who was back in England. And we were able to shoot, which is one of our flagship shows, Sunday Best, uh, in a way across, you know, like a Zoom-like platform, and, and and we're now in post. So, but you can look at like this Sunday's uh, just aired the BET Awards, which was really well done in this COVID environment. Um, so there are ways of producing quality content in this environment. It's just way more challenging, way more timely, and, and costly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the, uh, the unknown for, for me is the cost of, 
uh, COVID, not, not COVID proofing, but setting up a production to be as safe as possible going into a production. What's the, what are all those costs involved? And, you know, well, the, the, the costs varied and, and, and they're about to get a whole lot higher because I don't know if you're familiar with the white page, white paper, yeah. which is yeah. the, what the guidelines are looking like they're going to be across the unions and guilds. Mm-hmm. So until we have a finalized plan of what is required by all the unions in, in SAG and, you know, all of the, you know, Teamsters, IA, DGA, we won't know what the true costs are. Right now, they're floating by an idea that testing has to happen two to three times a week for everyone on set. Well, those tests are about 100 bucks each yeah. for a rapid test. Yeah. And the tests and, aren't and, that and rapid. And then the lab is also an additional expense, I think, too. Yeah. And then you have to have your locations, especially for like a soundstage, disinfected every day. Yeah. Those costs tend to escalate. And so, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that the, the, it's opening up a landscape where you have seen where nitro gloves used to be a box for 10 bucks, right? Yeah. Now it might be a box for 25 bucks. Yeah. Right. Same product, same thing. In demand. <laughs> In demand. So <laughs> these cleaning companies are finding themselves with the ability to charge more. Right. I got, I got two bids for uh, cleaning sound stages. One was $27,000. The other was $6,000. My gosh. So you can see that, that product, you know, the cleaning company A may be feeling that they can renegotiate their pay structure because of these signs. Now, I mean, come on, yeah. you know, but people are, people can be opportunists. And it's up to us both as like, so if you're doing a Viacom show, we have a department uh, sourcing and sourcing has found us where we can direct our third parties to, to purchase masks, where we can purchase uh, uh, gloves, where we can purchase testing if we need it. So all these things are, yeah. So all these things at a corporate level are being addressed so that we can help our third parties stay in line with like w- with what we can get because we're buying bulk. Oh man, that is amazing. Yeah, because you know, for me, the independent film I'm I'm doing, we are like kind of on our own with figuring out like who the who the test you know who to who to get the test from, who's the cleaning crew, where to get the PPEs. I've been talking to a few guilds, trying to get inside of vendors and. You know, there's not really dedicated or, you know, vendor lists that are available. So that you have that as well. And not only do we have that, but we have a whole COVID task force at Viacom that vets every single production plan and gives approval or disapproval for what we can shoot in a uh, responsible method. So, you know, if I have a show that is shooting with everyone in their house and we're all doing a Zoom style, you know, show, well, that's a little bit easier to get approved than if I'm going to load in a stage and have, you know, different crews trying to build a set that, you know, even though I'm keeping them all in pods, there's still a chance of cross pollination amongst somebody coming in sick. And what does that look like? And then how are we monitoring each shoot as it moves from location to location in a more traditional unscripted sense? 
to make sure that like, you know, with Los Angeles, we have Appendix J, which you have to fill out Appendix J to get permission from, you know, the, the, the county to be able to shoot in Los Angeles with X amount of people. Mm-hmm. Well, other cities are implementing their own systems like that. So we have our whole legal, we have a part of our legal department that is now monitoring the cities and what the requirements are. So before each trip happens, we are checking in with legal to make sure that what we're doing is safe, that they're open for business and that we can shoot there legally. Then is there any type of supporting paperwork that needs to go along with that? Then we formulate a plan which lays out every single location, who's going, where they're from, what the, uh, the where they're going and what the guidelines are for that. What's the production plan, which all these people hit the thing, you know, hit the town. Where are they staying? How is that hotel treating their guests? And how are they uh, having uh, things in place for their safety once they're at the hotel? How are they getting from the hotel to location? Like these are very, very in-depth plans that are going across all of our shows right now. That is incredible. And I'm not even like bullshitting you because in the, <laughs> the few, like, pro, like producer series webinars I've been on, the big question is at what point for independent producers, what point do you green light a show? And there's really not a protocol yet. And it seems like you guys are ahead of the game in terms of establishing it. There's not. Yeah. And, and, and also on the flip side, what happens if someone tests positive? Who, who do you, who's the first phone call? You know, and it's, uh, it seems like well, we have a whole system set up in place, which we have a whole system set up. So we have a VP of safety for Viacom. So yeah. if, if it happens on one of my shows, I get a call in an email. My boss gets a call in an email. Our head of security gets a call in an email and we discuss what's the next step safely to move forward. And I had a situation where we thought that someone was showing symptoms. And so the next day, we, uh, uh, nobody came in to the stage. Uh, that person went and was tested. They tested negative, which is thankful. Mm-hmm. But we lost that entire day. And, you know, with turnarounds and, and guarantees, it's a union show. I still have to pay the crew that day. Right. And insurance is difficult to, to cover that day. Yeah. Well, insurance is insurance is tricky because, you know, there are on some of my shows, there probably will be some sort of insurance claim because, you know, we have incurred a lot of additional expenses in time in locations that are sat there unused. And but we didn't burn all the money and just cancel the show. We still may have a show that's coming to air. So it will soften the blow. And, 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 and it's the fair way to go about it. Like, you know, could we have written off the show? Maybe, but we would like our properties and yeah. we want to put on the best show that we can. Have a product at the end. Yeah, and have a product, you know, because that's, that's valuable also. Yeah. So, you know, so it, it's, you know, I haven't yet filed any claims, but I know that insurance companies for Viacom, we do have COVID coverage uh, in our policies because this is, you know, uh, it's not next year. It'll probably be different. It'll probably be excluded, but it wasn't this year, you know? And so I think a lot of uh, networks do have some sort of uh, fallback. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah. great. 
Well, I guess that makes sense. If a safety system set up, I'm sure insurance is part of that. It's part yeah, of that. yeah. I mean, for, for Viacom, if you're doing a show with me, you have to use my insurance carrier. That's just, it's written into the uh, PSA. Yeah, yeah, because right now for, for, for me, it's, it's hard to get cast insurance. It's difficult to, um, to find character, carriers that will pick up an independent film. Um, yeah. You know, they'll just, probably license it from you once it's done so that they didn't take any risk. Right. It'll come to the, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, I think that's amazing that you guys have that, you know. Um, yeah, and this is just part of the benefit of working at a place like Viacom. Like, it's fantastic. Like, they are You sold me. Very, uh-huh. my, yeah, I said you sold me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, 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 I enjoy it. It's a great place that fosters youth. Like we do, a, uh, we did an activation last year called uh, Project Create, where we took independent filmmakers and they submitted scripts. And then the winner, we funded them to shoot their movie. So, and that should be coming out not in, in the not so distant future. Oh, that's really, ex- yeah. I think you were talking about that a while ago, but that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. And, and we're launching another Project Create currently. I think they just announced it uh, at Sundance this year. But that's got to be an unbelievable experience for the filmmakers to to have someone like you and have the the resources of a studio to go and make a, a film or a show. Um, it's got to be a thrilling experience because normally, yeah, well, the first so one was a cast were so limited. And the, and the first one was I don't know I don't the first one started out being my show. Um, and it was a collaboration between BET and Paramount Pictures. Mm-hmm. So we really had the power of Paramount Pictures behind it as well, which is really cool. Um, I'm not sure what the, what the uh, rules are for this season because it, it, it's given to a different executive that, mm-hmm. uh, that oversees our scripted. Uh, ah. And so it kind of felt like, you know, we've passed that over to our scripted department. Um, I had a... Uh a first AD uh, who does unscripted shows on the podcast a few weeks ago. And she was telling me, and I've never worked in unscripted, but she was telling me some of the craziest things about how within the same day, how drastically things can change. New ideas, new locations. Just, she said, basically, my job as a first AD is just to react. (laughs) And, 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 And let the crew know, let the cast know what's may, may not happen. And, she says there's just a team of creatives that make decisions and who the hell knows. And then you go. And, yeah. and then you try your best to support that. And it can be very challenging at times, especially if you happen to be on a show with a somewhat difficult cast. It can be quite challenging because <laughs> what they thought was going to be a day at their shop fixing their car has now turned into, no, you've got to go here, here, and here. Let's go. And you know what I mean? So. Yeah, and, like, and, and you're literally clearing places on the fly, trying to make location deals. Like, you, you never know. And that's why I like Unscripted so much is because, especially as a day-to-day line producer, it's challenging, but it's fun. Because, you, you know, you put out a call sheet the night before of your best guess, but that's all it is. Like, you're it's right. a guess. Yeah, that's what she was saying. It may completely be worthless by 2 o'clock. And, and most of the time it is. But as long as you can kind of contain it within the work day so that you're not hitting OT as a result of these creative changes that mm-hmm. sometimes happen on the fly, 
it goes pretty well. But I guess that's not something that is uh, that something you oversee because you're more of a uh, looking at reports after the, the end of the day. Right. But what I am doing is, so a lot of times when we are shooting these unscripted shows, historically I have been in the field trying to assist and making sure that if there's any needs, depending on like which show, how many shows I have going, you know, I might show up at a set for a couple of days this week and maybe shoot back three or four weeks later just to drop in and make myself available. Um, but working as, you know, in my time in freelance, it was very much like it could change minute yeah. to minute. Yeah. That, I had no idea. I mean, with film, it's so systematic, you know, it's like you have setups, you have so many shots up in the day. You're shooting off a script. You're shooting off a script. Yeah. Everything's very regimented. Um, yeah. Which, um, which I'm accustomed to, but it seems really crazy. I had no idea how wild unscripted shows could be in terms of just the, yeah, but, but some of the unscripted right. shows that I do are like, competition shows so you know the format of the show you know what's going to happen in every episode but you know sometimes people react differently you know during an elimination or something someone might totally lose their you know their composure or you might be in a task and they're just like meltdown and like watching that footage get covered is super fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you see someone have a breakthrough moment like in a singing competition and they really start to click and you're like wow and all of a sudden they make you a fan like it's really great yeah so so on the, the production team who do you coordinate is it with the producer mostly or a line producer who's your normal po uh, point of contact during a production normally it'd be the vp of production uh-huh at the third party oh at the third party gotcha yeah um, and the VP of production is who would be mostly like the EIC or someone who's on set. Exactly. Exactly. Depending on, yeah, yeah. Is there a way that they're sort of similar or? Well, because I go, I've, my, my experience is across many different genres of unscripted. I've done big international travel shows where, you know, you might be shooting in jungles in some remote jungle in Vietnam. And then you might move to Australia or China. Like they're so like, that's a, you know, a super fun genre because you're literally getting paid to travel all across the world, shooting the funnest stuff you could possibly find. Now I'll tell you, after coming back from the jungles of Vietnam, I was a little snake shy for quite a while. I mean, I live in the Valley and I'd be like walking in my front yard going, is there any snakes? Cause like you'd see like, pit vipers and crate snakes and all kinds of crazy stuff like every day. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, I've done shows where, you know, another international where we're diving, you know, so literally underwater photography every single day. And it's like, it's amazing. That's incredible. And yeah. Like, so the experiences that I've been fortunate enough to have in my career have been unrivaled. Like I have had, a ball all along the way. It's been fantastic. That's cool. So, I mean, I don't know how, but I've also shot a lot of uh, documentaries, which are for the most part, more script driven. So, you know, the story that you're telling before you shoot the show and the structure of scripted is cool, but I'll take unscripted run and gun kind of any day. But I'll tell you, my favorite shows are studio-based stage shows because you have a locked location, you know where your call is going to be, you're not traveling out, 
everything's contained and you, there's like, you know, 250 people on the crew and it's super fun. Like it's just some, it's all fun. It's, I think you get out of production what you put into it. Yeah. And so no matter what you're doing, if, if you can find joy in it, you're going to have a good time. It seems really cool with Unscripted that there are, you know, from travel shows to, you know, on location shows to there's just an array of car, car shows, you name yeah, it. And, and, and I've done all of those types of shows, food shows, cooking with celebrities, like, and, and with, you know, some world-renowned chefs. Um, I've done knitting shows, like, or quilting, like, okay, I'm not a biggest fan <laughs> of quilting, but those people are very talented in what they do, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I have I have been fortunate to to shoot so many genres of this uh, unscripted world. It's been quite a ride. That is really cool. I uh, I uh, I don't know. I'm just never. Um, I think because I've always focused on uh, scripted and then got into the YouTube world and started doing more digital. I ne I've never got into unscripted, but it's it seems like so foreign to me that I don't know if I'd be able to even figure it out at this point. But right, <laughs> you're a pretty people. bright guy most days. What's up? I said you're a pretty bright guy most days. Most days, I mean, yeah. I just, <laughs> 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 um, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I think um, it, it just seems like such a, um, um, a thrill ride, which is something I, I didn't expect people to say when working on Unscripted. But I'll tell you, when you're, tar when you're literally tasked, to carry 30 uh, uh, crates of gear across the world, you know, with a very small crew. It, it's a lot of work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you're doing carnets and all this other stuff. And you're trying to check in and like, I mean, I'll tell you, my, my worst experience ever was flying into uh, Cancun in Mexico. Really? I sat in the airport for about eight and a half hours while this guy literally took my carnet and went, okay, let me see this piece of gear with this serial number on it. I've got 30 to 40 cases of camera gear and audio <laughs> gear and like, you name it. And this guy's calling out serial numbers. Like, can I see this lens right now? And I'm like, oh my God. And literally, I was there for about eight and a half hours. Uh, Seems like you're when like he, the guy that can put up with that though. You're, I mean, I feel like- I you, was just like, it, I, I, my hands are tight. What am I going to do? I, I have to, I have to clear. Right. I have to get out of there. And so when we went to leave Cancun, I got to the airport like four hours early. I walk into the door. Now the, I'll say the guy knew he was being a jerk about it. Yeah. But he knew he could get away with it. I was literally the last person in the airport for the night. The last plane landed Everybody cleared out. Um, He's I, now on overtime, paid off me sitting there, you know, amusing him as he's calling out serial numbers. And I'm literally, Mike, this carnet was like, it was like a booklet. And <laughs> we got through every piece of gear and I left. And so, and, and he was like, see you later, right? Because he knew I had to come back through. <laughs> I got back to the airport, the, uh, you know, to, to fly out of there. And the same guy sitting there, and I just walked up to him, and he said, hmm. He goes, do you have this piece of gear? I said, yes. He goes, all right, you're clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I guess you I catch somebody under my deck. Yeah, I guess I was a good enough sport with them the first time. I didn't lose my cool. Like I just that's the game we're gonna play. We're gonna play your game. We're I'm in your I'm a host in your your you know yeah. I'm, I'm a person in your country. I'm going to do whatever you ask me. I'm not going to lose it. I'm just, we're just going to go through the exercise. And he clearly remembered me. I'm sure I stuck out like a sore thumb. And, uh, and, but he was totally cool about it on the way back home. That is crazy. <laughs> what I learned from that is don't list every single secure, every single uh, <laughs> serial <laughs> number for every piece of gear. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I might have you think it as a challenge on to from you. Yeah, yeah, you know, I had I had the the the, the, the camera vendor print out the whole list, right? right. And I took that to Carnegie office, and we we did the check there, which is abbreviated, like you know, just an overall kind of glance and go. And then uh, what I should have done is tone that Carnegie down, right? To like thirty to forty people, and like, oh, that stuff doesn't have serial numbers on it. It would have been so much quicker. But I learned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the key factor. Yeah, <laughs> I learned. Takeaway. Yeah. Um, so be careful flying into Mexico. <laughs> Make sure you look out for everything. <laughs> no, literally getting the gear into Vietnam was easier than Mexico. Wow. Even with a fixture. I had a fixture both places. It was way easier in Vietnam. There were way more film friendly gotcha well what was it uh crazy like was it spring break or was it uh like a busy time no it was just a tuesday and he was bored <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so so um what uh i usually say like talk to the person about what what's next but i think um yeah for you it's kind of like you have you never end it's always just ongoing yeah, yeah, it's just a steady stream. Um, so yeah, so I think uh, yeah, that pretty much covers everything. Well, great. Well, hopefully uh, your, your listeners will get something from this, and uh, I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, no, and, it's, uh, uh, it's been awesome having you on here. You know, uh, I'll say to everybody out there, wear your mask. <laughs> wear your mask. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Let, let's get those numbers to drop so we can all go back to work. That's the key is everyone should um, just wear a mask. Yeah. It starts with each individual being responsible for themselves and taking the responsibility for the person next to them. Yeah. I, I, saw, I was reading something on like Facebook where it was, uh, yeah, it's, there's only so much uh, like a city or a state or a country can do. It's up to the people to decide they're going to be totally. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, that's, um, you know, it's, it starts with you and then grows with, you know, more people. And yeah, that's everything. Be part of it. Be an example of the solution. Don't be part of the problem. There you go. Oh. Well, thank you very much. This is uh, Jeff Williams, the amazing exec. Well, all right, Mike. Well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys uh, soon. Some, yeah. Uh, COVID safe way. Absolutely. And I uh, can't wait to hear about more of the projects you have coming on and um, look forward to staying in touch with you. Um, yeah, totally. Very cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Tales from the Crew.